Have you ever had a moment in your life where you're sort of driving down uh, the highway of life and you look in the rearview mirror and you go, what was I thinking? Have you ever done that? Like perhaps there's a relationship in the rearview mirror where you go, oh my gosh, that was insane. Have you ever like looked back at a, a, a job circumstance? You go, I was crazy to put myself in that situation. Have you ever even had a, a situation where you, you, your finances are upside down and you're thinking, how on earth did I get here? Every one of us have moments like that. The world is full of them. In fact, that's the great equalizer. That's the great uh, common thread. All of us have broken not only God's heart, but we've broken our own hearts. Not, have we, not only have we not stood up or, or lived up to God's standards, we haven't lived up to our own standards. We can't even blame God and go, oh, God, your, your standard is too high. Listen, it's, it's us who haven't lived up to it. In fact, have you ever done this? I've done this. And let's, let's do it with something fun, and then we'll do it with something serious. Have you ever said, have you ever said to yourself, okay, I'm just going to have a couple of bites of this Haagen-Dazs, then I'm going to put it back and save it for tomorrow. Have you ever done something like this? Yes, we've all had, right? And what happens, right? At the end of it, you're scraping the bottom of the Haagen-Dazs, and the tears are running down your face. I'm so bad. It's terrible, right? And, and we've done stuff like that. And, and, but, but we've also... We've also done this. Some of us have ruined ourselves, hurt our loved ones. We thought it would just be one beer. Or, or we thought that the relationship, well, it's not so bad. You know, here, I, all right, I'll go this far, but I'll never go this far. And then we go this far in the relationship, and then all of a sudden, it gets really bad. You see, all of us have been in situations where we've gone farther than we wanted to go, what I mean by that is you have a standard that you've broken. We've gone farther than we've wanted to go. Spent more than we wanted to pay and stayed longer than we wanted to stay. Every one of us. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the scriptures. God knows that every one of us are bent towards doing things contra against God. So today we're going to look at the scriptures and God is going to show us the first sin. We're going to look at the anatomy of it. And we're going to see that this is a problem throughout all the world. So let me give you some context. It's very, listen, you got to listen to this. This sermon, some of you will spare yourself years of agony if you listen to this sermon. Some of you are right now on a path where you're hurting yourself and you don't know why and you cry at night and you keep on going back to that thing that hurts you and I'm telling you, the solution is found in the scriptures that we're going to read today. Some of you, some of you are going to avoid something terrible in the future if you just, it's a lot at stake here. Your marriages might be saved. Who knows? So listen up. 
Now, I'm going to tell you a story that you've heard of before, right? It's the story of Adam and Eve. We're at the very beginning of the Bible. Everything is perfect. God creates everything perfectly. And then what he does is he creates Adam and Eve. Now, there are some of you here, I know, some of you are um, just finished, in fact, right? Anybody uh, just finished their first year of college? Anybody? Yeah? There's, no? Bunch of illiterates. Yeah, nobody's going to college in this place. No, I know my daughter has, you know, and there's, there's some of you here. Okay, so right, so um, what happens, right? So um, you, you, your objection is, oh, come on, come on. Are you going to talk like Genesis is real? You're going to, and for the sake of this discussion, I'm not going to argue with you. Just, you don't have to believe in a literal six-day creation. You don't have to believe that God created the heavens and the earth. Now, I believe these things, but you don't have to believe them to, in order to benefit from this story. Everybody can benefit. This is an all-skate. God, the story is telling us, God wants us to know a story that will help to change the trajectory of our lives and help us to understand why we sin in the way we sin and why we do what we do. So God creates um, heavens and the earth. He creates everything good. He creates Adam and Eve, the, the first people. They're enjoying each other. I mean, think about this. It's perfect. Everything is perfect. It's so perfect that there's, they're naked and unashamed. In other words, what the, what the scriptures are telling us is that there's nothing that they're clothing themselves with. There's no masks. There's no hiddenness. There's no lies. There's no deceit. There's nothing that's inhibiting their relationship. They are unashamed. They are completely vulnerable. They're loving each other. God creates this. This happens, and something goes wrong. And it's the exact thing that goes wrong in your life and mine. What happens with Adam and Eve happens with me and you every day. Now, what I, want to need, what I need you to know is the reason that the world is the way it is, in other words, we have the political scandals that we do, we have murders and rapes, we have tsunamis and earthquakes, we have deaths of infants and like just horrible, horrible. The reason that this world is so broken is because God gave Adam and Eve all authority, all dominion over all the earth. And when they broke, everything under them broke as well, down to the dirt, everything. Um, the scriptures say that the earth, the soil, cries out for redemption in God, that it's a broken world. You go, that is completely unfair. I wasn't there. I didn't sin the way Adam and Eve did. Why would I have to pay for their sin? Pause for a second. This is a principle of life. Whatever happens to the ones in authority happens to the ones under authority. Let me give you an example of life. Um, Enron. Anybody remember Enron? Right? It was, a, it was a pretty massive organization. 
They had wealth, like you can't imagine. Like they had centuries of history. Not centuries, but like they were, they were old, very, very old. Like over 100 years, I think they were. Unbelievable. It was like an unstoppable juggernaut of an industry. What happens? A few people, not everybody, they employed tens of thousands of people. Not everybody. A few people in authority decided to use their authority for personal gain and sin, and everybody under them suffered. Now, you and I go, that's not fair, to which we would all agree. That's not fair. I'm just telling you that's the way it is. Let me give you another example. Your, your dad. Your dad, is, it's Father's Day, so let's, you know, so your dad, he's at home, you're a little kid, everything is going well, and then your dad decides that there's another woman that he'd rather be with than mom. And what happens? He leaves, he breaks the covenant, he leaves, and everything goes bad in the house. You can, you can point back to that brokenness. Now, it wasn't you. It wasn't your sin. But you paid the consequences for that sin, didn't you? You see, because this is, a, this is a principle of life. Whenever one in authority breaks, everything under that authority breaks. With that in mind, We'll look at how the whole world became unraveled, why you have your sin and struggles. And this is, this is also the reason why many of us, now this is the recovery house of worship, so I'm going to speak to a bunch of us here, right? So many of us think we are born in a particular way. Let me give you an example, right? So, uh, you know, some of us have alcoholic tendencies, right? Is there anybody, you don't have to raise your hand, but is there anybody, you can nod. If you, right, does anybody here have any alcoholic tendency? Yeah, just like one or two of you, right? I get it. Okay, yeah. And so, so what happens is we say, man, I, I feel like a natural bent to this. I'm like born for this. And at that point, you go, I, 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 I know, I know, I do too. It's because of the fall. Yeah, I know, you were born broken. It's not your fault. Some of us grew up in households where we were very, like, you know, you, know, you just go, oh, I'm, you do this all the time, right? Like if, if someone says, oh, you're just being, you know, you're, why are you so loud? You go, oh, I'm just, I'm just Italian. That's why I'm Italian. That's why I'm loud. Why are you mean? Because I'm Irish. <laughs> no, that's terrible. All right, yeah. Um, why do you gossip? Because I'm Puerto Rican. That's the way I am. It's the way it happens. And so I'm Puerto Rican, so I can say that, okay? Um, the other two I don't have any excuse for. Um, but, but you get it, right? You go, oh, I'm just born this way. Listen to me. Uh-huh. And it's not fair. You were born broken. Just because you were born in a particular way doesn't mean necessarily that that's the way that God wanted you to be. Now, let's look at this text, because not only does this tell us how the whole world broke, but it tells, you, it tells us how you and I break ourselves over and over and over again. You ready? Genesis chapter 3. Um, so we find them. They've been living in the garden for a long time. Now we see somebody being introduced. Satan comes into play, and he uses the voice. He speaks through a serpent. Very wild. All right. Um, on a, uh, why don't we all stand at the reading of God's word? All right. Awesome. 
All right, now let's read this together. It's nine verses, so it's quite a bit, but let's read it together, nice and loud. You're going to find the history of everything going wrong right here in these nine verses. Okay, one, two, three. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? This is God's word. Please have a seat. Wow. Lots to unpack here. Now, I want you to know that I'm going to have to skip over a ton of stuff, a ton of stuff. But I want you to try to follow your own heart in sin. Some things are better reviewed um, some things are better reviewed than seen for the first time, right? Like um, any M. Shalaman, what is his name? M. Shalaman Knight, M. Knight Shalaman or something like that. Anybody ever seen um, the, uh, the uh, what, was it, what was the one with the little, the guy's a ghost, Bruce Willis, anybody? Um, Sixth Sense, thank you. All right, anybody ever seen Sixth Sense? You know how like you experienced Sixth Sense when you first watched it and then at the end of the movie, you got the shock, won't tell you. Watch it for yourself. But you got the shock at the end, and then you had to go watch it again, and now everything made deeper. It was a different movie, right? Watch this. You've been looking at your life and your sin and the, and the stuff that you've been doing and the things that you feel like you have a proclivity towards. You've been looking at it through a particular lens, but I think that when you look at it through this lens, you're going to find a new story emerges, and you're going to get an understanding that's deeper than you presently have. So let's look at this, but not just like sort of coldly, like, oh, that's Adam and Eve. No, 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 this is us too. So I'm going to try to be, um, as I'm going to try to connect the dots as much as I can. So the first thing that you see when people, when the, the first couple broke in sin, or when people move towards sin, I want you to see, the first thing you see is an attitude of the heart. An attitude of the heart. It's, it's one of mockery. 
It's one of sneering. It's one of, of sucking your teeth, rolling your eyes. It's an attitude of the heart. And you see it here in, uh, in verse uh, 1. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from the garden? Now, this is important. Because when he asked this question, he's not asking the question like he's got, trying to gather information. He's asking a question like you would to insult a person. Have you ever done that? When you ask the question to insult a person? We all have. He goes, um, here's how it looks like when we're speaking to someone. This happens many times, especially when I get around my, like, I, you know, I have some friends that are, like, you know, really well-versed and really well-educated, and they're atheists, and, and I, I thank God for their friendship. I love them, and they love me. But when we start talking about it, they say things like this. They, they say things like this. You, you don't really believe that, do you? You, you, you don't really believe that, do you? You see, what it is, it's a mocking assertion. In other words, this is you experience, especially when you go to your first semester of, of college, and, and, and in many ways when you go into high school now, you, it's a mockery. Go ahead and try to raise your hand in, at, uh, at any university or any college, especially here in New York, and go, no, but the Bible says... You don't even have the, you have no idea what kind of courage it takes to say something like that. It is opening up a universe of mockery and sneering. And you, you, you don't believe that, do you? And it's meant, it's meant to shut you down. It's meant to shut you up. And it's meant to, it's meant to just go, oh, it's such an obvious assertion. It's such an obvious statement that you, there's no rebuttal to it, you feel. That's what Satan does at the very beginning of sin. Whatever sin you're at, he mocks. He mocks God's words. This is happening. I, I can't tell you how crazy I look. You know this. When I do my sermons about um, sexes for married people only, the people, there are some of you right here. When I do that, sex is for married people only. One man, one woman, and holy matrimony for life. That's it. Sex is not for uh, people who are attractive. Sex is not for people who are old enough. Sex is not for people with experience. Sex is not for people with children. Sex is not for people who have done it before. Sex is not for people who are looking forward to doing it some more. Sex is, <laughs> sex is for married people only. And when I say that in this room, in this room, you're like, Psh, come on. That's what Satan's doing. Psh, come on. Psh, come on. No, Ed, you know what? That's like old, man. That's like some ancient stuff. You can't be real serious. It's a mockery. The argument is a mockery, and that's what Satan does. Don't you understand? Psh, sex is for married people. Oh, you're so old-fashioned. I know. But let me tell you, whenever you fall into sin, that's the first thing that happens. A mockery of what God has said. You have to mock it because you can't argue it. If you argue it, now you're in the realm where God can walk you to himself, draw you to himself with argument and reason. But when it's a mockery, there's no argument. You shut it down. Psh, did God really say that? 
That's how Satan starts off. He starts off with, with, with an attitude of the heart, and you too. In your, can you think of your sin? The sin that you feel real bad about and that you regret. The sin that you wish you hadn't done. The sin that you're paying the consequence for right now, and you wish if you could turn back the hands of time, you would change everything. Can you think of that for a second? Didn't it start with, didn't God send a friend or a mother or, or a kid or anything to say, no, 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 sister, sister, don't, 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 don't go that way. Brother, 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 listen, don't do that. Don't do that. And you were like, Psh, what do you know? It's a mockery. That's how Satan starts off. Did God really say you must not eat from the tree of the garden? Any tree from the garden. Now, I can't go into how he manipulated and uh, um, twisted what God said. God did not say what he said. But again, we, this is like a four-week series in 20 minutes. So let me see if we can just keep running, okay? So the first thing is that Satan has, it's an attitude of the heart. And it's an attitude of mockery. The second one, the second um, movement into sin is not only an attitude of the heart, it's a lie to the mind. It's a lie to the mind, a lie in the mind, rather. An attitude of the heart, a lie in the mind. Look at verse 4. Jump down to verse 4. You will not certainly die, the serpent told the woman. So look at verses 2 and 3, just to give you a little context. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the fruit of, uh, from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the trees that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Now, you see what Eve does. She gets into the manipulating God's words as well by adding something. You must not touch it even. I can see Satan. I could see Satan as he enters the lie in her mind. Because what did she say? She goes, we must not eat it or touch it. I could see Satan going up to the tree and going like this. Come on. You're not going to die. Look at this. Give me your hand. See? You didn't die. Because there's a lie that Satan puts in the mind, and it's this. God cannot be trusted. What God says can't be trusted. Come on. He said you were going to die if you touched. Come on. No, no, not you. You're, you're different than everybody else. No, it's not going to happen to you. Of course not. We have to believe this lie. You will not die. There will not be any consequences. So we go to this thing. And so we go, a woman comes into my office and I say, hey, that, gosh, that relationship looks like it's getting serious. Why don't you put, pump the brakes on that? Pump the brakes on that, right? Because we don't, we don't need to go all the way with this. Let's just pump the brakes. Let's find out who they are before we, right? If you're, and, and here's a rule. Here's a rule. If you're not willing to give the person the keys to your car and let them drive off and trust that they'll come back, don't give them your body. If you're not willing to give the person the keys to your apartment so that they can come in at any time, don't give them your body. Is that okay? But there's a lie. There's a lie. And the lie is... It's not going to end this way with you. It, it, you will not die. God can't be trusted. You see, God, God doesn't want your joy. God doesn't want your fulfillment. 
The reason that God is telling you these things is because he wants to keep something from you. He wants to keep something from you. Here's, here's how he finishes the statement. Look at verse 4 and 5. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows. See, you know what God's real motivation is for keeping this thing from you that's natural? And this thing that you were born, this natural thing, nothing more natural than having a fruit. Nothing more natural than two bodies getting together. Nothing more natural than you going in that direction. Nothing more natural. It's natural. You were born this way. Go for it. Do it. Here's the motivation, the reason that God doesn't want you to do it. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You see, there's a joy, there's a satisfaction, there's a pleasure that God is keeping from you. Because God, you know what, God, God can't be trusted. He's a wet blanket. That's what God is. God is a, a, a rain on your parade. He's a wet blanket. God is one who cannot be trusted because he doesn't have your joy in mind. And we go, oh my gosh, that's exactly right. I have, you know who has my joy in mind? I do. And so whatever I want... Whatever I desire, whatever will make me feel good, however I could rationalize it to myself, I'm telling you, people have started smoking a joint in the 70s that are still not done using today because they knew better than God about what joy, pleasure, satisfaction, and fulfillment look like in your life. First, Satan attacks the attitude of your heart. Psh, yeah, right. Then... He implants a lie in your mind. God doesn't want your favor. God doesn't want your blessing. God doesn't want you to have fun. God is just trying. There's no, how on earth could you ever be satisfied in this marriage? Come on! How on earth could you ever find fulfillment being single? Come on! It's a lie to the mind. A lot, that the only satisfaction, the only pleasure that can be found is to be found in you going outside of God's will. But I'm telling you, sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you're willing to pay. Sin is a rapist. Do it. There's an attitude of the heart. That's not, and some of you are right now, you have that attitude right now, even as I'm speaking, you're like, Psh, yeah, I can't wait till this is over. Happy Father's Day to me. And I get it, I get it, it's cool. It's all right. It's all right, I understand. If I had to listen to me, I'd probably feel the same way too. But listen, this attitude of your heart will only bring destruction. Because God is, a, we just sang about it over and over again. He's a good father. He's, no, he's a father that cares for you. Psh. Yeah, whatever, God. That's the attitude of the heart. Then it's the lie in the mind. Then, and of course, because we're moving in sin, but the sin has already happened. We think that sin is acting out, right? Like, so you, so you go, oh, man, I wanted to punch that guy in the face, but I didn't. Oh, look, I didn't sin. No, 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 you don't understand. It's a attitude of the heart. It's a lie to the mind. If you have bitterness over that person, now by the way, don't punch nobody in the face. I don't care what your motivation is. Don't punch nobody in the face. 
I'm just still saying you're still in sin if you have bitterness against that person. Because we think that it's this action, that the only sin is, is this part. It's not. There's so much more. Some of you are in 12-step um, fellowships, and they say a phrase. They say this. They say, the relapse happens before the relapse. You use long before you relapse. And the, the point that they're making is the very point that the Bible has made for thousands of years, and that sin dwells in the heart, in the mind, long before it reigns in your hands. And it'll take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you're willing to pay. It's an attitude of the heart. It's a lie in the mind. It's an act of the will. Let's look at this. Look at verse 6. It's an act of the will. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. Now, pause for a second. Do you see your whole life in that sentence? Your whole life of pain and suffering and sin is in that sentence. Here's how sin happens in your life. It's, it's so, this is so succinct. We could spend four weeks on this one sentence. The woman saw first, ooh, that is attractive. Mm-mm-mm, I want me some of that. Now, that could be one of a thousand different things, right? It could be a person who's attractive. It could be uh, a drug. It could be a lifestyle. It could be... Right? It could be, I mean, a million different things, right? When the woman saw, ooh, that the fruit, was tre- uh, the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, will give her what she's been looking for. Not only is it attractive, it'll fulfill a need. She took some and ate it. Took some and ate it. It's an act of the will. You see, sin has to give birth. and has to give birth to an action. The action can reside in your heart, but it can reside in your hands as well. There's a, there's a byproduct of sin. You can't nurse an attitude of your heart that's mockery towards God. You can't nurse the lie in your mind that says that God doesn't know what you need in order to be fulfilled in your marriage, in your singleness, with your kids, in that circumstance, with your health, with your... Simply cannot. When you think that way, when you have the attitude of the heart of mockery, a lie to the mind that says, I know what's best for me rather than God, you act on it. And that's what they did. They acted on it And look at what happened. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. And they realized they were naked. Let me go up a little bit further. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate it. Isn't that interesting? He was with her. Because Adam, God literally told Adam face to face. Then he created Eve. So you almost, 
Like Eve is listening to it like you listen to it. Eve is listening to her pastor or her preacher, right? It's Adam. He's saying, thus saith the Lord. He's going, God told me. Now, I'm doing the same thing. I'm using the scriptures and saying, here's what God says. So Eve is a lot like, but, but Adam had this experience with God, and he jumped into sin. He was right next to her as she was doing it, which is why the, the Bible talks about even when you're correcting someone who's in sin, watch out lest you fall. So the attitude of the heart was mockery. The lie to the mind was that God can't be trusted. And then there was an act of the will. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. And here's, and here's where the product of sin comes real. Then there was a shame that overwhelms. There's a shame that overwhelms. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Would you just pause for a second there? Can you remember your own sin? Some of us, isn't it true that when some of us grieve, um, sin grievously, the first thing we say to ourselves is that we're going to skip uh, on a church service? Why? Why do you think that's true? Why do you think it's true that in 1993 you sinned grievously and this is like the first time you've been to church in like a bunch of years? Why, why is that? Because your, your propensity is like my propensity. It's like Adam and Eve's propensity that when we sin, shame so overwhelms us, we want to hide. We want to cover ourselves up. We don't want to be exposed. We don't want the shame exposed. And here's the thing. We have a society that thinks that shame is all bad. Guilt is all bad. It really isn't. Like, if, you know, if you, if you, man, if you leave your wife for another woman and you leave your children, you should feel bad about that. Like that, you know, like if you just like get up and, you know, I'm talking about like, you know, no, no marriage is perfect, but like, you know, it's stressful. It's got its issues and all that other stuff. You, have, you should feel bad about that. Like, you know, if you don't feel bad about bad things, we have a name for that in our society. It's called a sociopath. It's, the problem is Satan wants to leave you there so that you can go back up to the attitude of the heart. You see, there was a shame that overwhelmed them. And this shame so overwhelmed them that they not only were hiding from each other, now they were going to hide from God. Look at what they did. They covered themselves up, so now, now they can't see each other. Now there's a distance. Uh, married couples, let me tell you why you're having such struggle in your marriage. It's because people are covering themselves up. There's, they can't see who you really are. And everything, and whenever your wife tries to poke out, hey, you're covering yourself, you're covering yourself, I want to see who you really are, we get all defensive, right, guys? Come on, leave me alone. I, I do this. My wife, like, I'm clearly upset, and my wife will go, hey, are, are you okay? You seem upset. Because I'm not upset. Do I look upset? And, like, I'm, I'm like, like this, right? Like, you know, do I look, is, is that, yeah? yeah? I look upset? Because I'm not upset. What's your problem? Right? Because it's, because what do I want to do? I want to cover myself. 
I want to cover myself. It's a shame that overwhelms. Look at what they do. Not only do they cover themselves with one another, but then, then they cover themselves or they hide from God. Verse 8, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God. He was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Look at me. They hid in the gift that he gave them. He says, here's everything. Here's the trees. Here's all of goodness in life. Here's all of plenty in life. Here's all satisfaction in life. They go through the one thing that he says, don't do, and then they hide in these other things. People have hidden in work. People have hidden in relationships. People have hidden in all sorts of gifts that God gives. But you're hiding from God. You're hiding from God, and it's, it's going to just grow your shame. Now, we're, we're coming in for a landing, and this is really, really important. So I want you to see this. It's an attitude of the heart, an attitude of mockery. It's a lie to the mind. The lie is God can't be trusted. An act of the will, you partake in the very thing that you know God says no to. And then shame that overwhelms. Now watch this. Unless God intervenes, you know what you do? Go to step one, rinse and repeat. You do that. And some people... Some people do that for a day, and some people do that for a lifetime. Like 70 or 80 years. I feel shame, what, right? What's the biggest thing when we stop using drugs, right? What, what's the biggest thing? You, you have a deep longing to go back. Why? Because now you can't deal with these emotions. Now you can't deal with these circumstances. Now your guilt is coming up and you're seeing what you've done in the past and you're going, I've got to cover my shame. I've got to cover my shame. Go back to the attitude of the heart. Go back to the lie of the mind. Go back to the act of the will. And you live in it, could be for a day, a week, 10 years. And then you feel the shame again and you go, I've got to go back. They hide. Now, in the next piece, that's, by the way, that is the anatomy of sin. That's every time you sin, every time you've gone outside God's will, this week when you're tempted to act out on something, it will go in that order. Psh, God doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, God can't be trusted. You're going to act out on it, then you're going to feel bad about it. And then you're going to have to do something to cover yourself. Whatever that is. But look, I want you to see something. We've sung about it, but we haven't talked about it. Now, today's Father's Day, so it's appropriate that we talk about this. God not only describes himself as a king, a great king, a God above every other God, like he's chief deity. These other gods, they don't exist. They're not real. They're idols, and they're a mockery of him. God has um, called himself a husband to a nation to a church. But one of the most beautiful, beautiful things that God calls himself in relation to us is Father. I need you to know this. Fathers, for anything, and, and, and uh, let me talk about myself. I, I, know I'm, I, I know this about myself. I know that I've never, I never thought of myself as a particularly good father. I've never have, right? But I tell you, 
if my kids go off in sin and they start acting out and behaving badly, I will, it will not only be a heartbreak, but I, if my daughter, any one of my daughters, my, any one of my sons, I have five children, I have two sons and I have three daughters. If any one of my kids went out and started like, and I heard reports, yo, your daughter's like dancing on tables and smoking crack and sleeping with men and selling her body. Like if I heard something like that, if I heard like my sons, yo, your son is living the, this, this terrible lifestyle. He's, steal, he's just doing all this other stuff. You could not keep me here. You could not. You could not stop me from running after them. You couldn't stop me from buying a plane ticket, flying over to them. You couldn't stop me from knocking on the hotel that they're in. You couldn't stop me. Like that you, could, you could not stop me. And I don't consider myself a particularly good father. But you couldn't stop. And if you told me, yeah, but you don't know what they've done. They've, yo, let me tell you, they've been selling their body. They've been, they've been um, they, they, they caught a, a disease. They, they um, are, are shacking up with these, uh, uh, in these circumstances. They're dealing drugs. They're, you know, they've, they've gone into uh, robbing banks. None of that would matter to me. I would be like, who cares? Where's my kid? Because, because fathers, fathers, they, they got to find their kids. And God calls himself a father. And when everybody else was running away from God, there's this, there's this throwaway word. I love it. I'm going to read verse 8 so that you could hear the power of this one throwaway word in verse 9. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But... While everybody else is hiding, while everybody else is running away, while the juice from the fruit is still running down their cheek, while the sin is still fresh, while the fruit hasn't even been digested. In other words, they're still in their sin. But the Lord called to the man. God pursued while everybody else was hiding, God was not satisfied with them dealing with, them sh with their shame on their own. And what he does, I, and we got to go. I, 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 and what God does is he pursues them, and he pursues them. They sin, and the first thing he does, and we have to read on. You, you, you got to go to the end of the story. He goes, he goes you're covering yourself with leaves. I'm going to give you, you, you. You've brought shame upon yourself. You've brought shame upon yourself. And the thing that you're using to cover yourself with, and I don't know what it is. You and I use things to cover ourselves with. We cover ourselves with our sexuality. We cover ourselves with money. We cover ourselves with guilt. We cover ourselves with good deeds. We cover ourselves with religious acts. We try to cover ourselves. And God says, I've got a better covering for you. And for Adam and Eve, what he does is he shows them the proto-evangelion. It's a $5 word to show the gospel in its in its seed form. They, now, you got to understand, they've never seen the inside of a body. It's, they're the first couple. Nobody's ever even nicked themselves on a piece of paper. They're, everything is pristine and perfect. God takes a lamb, 
and he slices his throat. Could you imagine seeing that for the first time? Blood gushing out. He slays the lamb, and he, he goes, this is, this is like a down payment. This is like pointing to something much more beautiful. You sin, and blood will be shed. Blood of an innocent, you go, it's an innocent animal. Why would the blood have to be shed? Because, listen to me, listen to me. Sin always demands blood. And it was either going to be their blood or this innocent one's blood. You go, that doesn't seem fair. Wait, it gets worse. Years later, the father would still pursue a people who would run from him and run from him and run from him. And this time, he said he would cover their shame, but it would not, he would not cover them with the skin of an animal, but rather send his only son to die on the cross, to pay the penalty for our sin so that you and I could have relationship with God. The Father, not only, but the Father called. So, listen, on this Father's Day, on this Father's Day, can I just tell you something? It would make the Father so happy in heaven if you would finally come home. He's running to you. He's calling to you. You want to give God a great Father's Day gift? Come home. That stuff you've been covering yourself with, that stuff that you've been doing, that you've been using, that you've been acting out on, that you've been identifying yourself with, all of that stuff can only produce more shame. Don't. Stop. You can't do it on your own. Run to the Father. So, run to him. Here's what run to him looks like. Right here, from your chair, as the musicians play. It looks simply like this. Admit to God. Hey, God. I'm not living for you. I haven't lived for you. I'm, I've mocked you, right? I had an attitude of the heart of mockery. I believe the lie in my mind that you don't have my best interest at heart. I've acted out on this sin and therefore ran to shame to try to make me covered, but it doesn't cover. If you're here and, and you want to just run back to, I just need to come back to the Father. Run. It's been too long. It's been too long. It's been waiting for you for too long. All the things that you've been covering yourself with no longer work, and you know this. They stopped working a long time ago. Come to him. What are you waiting for? For some of you, that'll be a first-time thing. Well, you'll have come to the Father, and you'll be like, God, here's what I know. Sin really did take me further than I wanted to go, and it kept me longer than I wanted to stay, and it cost me more than I was willing to dish out. That is absolutely true. But even in this moment, I hear your voice going, Patricia, where are you? Sandy, where are you? Edwin, where are you? God is not asking that question to gather information. 
God is asking that question so that you could see where you are. Just because some of us never take the moment to look and go, I am so far away from you. I am far and I'm hiding. You know, you can be in a room like this and hide. You know that, right? Religious people do it all the time. Why do you feel good about yourself? Well, I read my Bible. Well, I came to church. Well, I, I don't hurt nobody. I don't kill nobody. I don't do drugs anymore. I don't. We hide. We have our own fig leaves. Religious people, listen, stop hiding. Stop hiding. So, run to him. You can make this moment a powerful moment for yourself, like as a reminder. If you want to run back to the Father and he's calling to you, if you're here, he's calling to you. I'm letting you know this. You think that you were here because you were invited, because it's Father's Day and you want to honor your dad, or, you know, whatever. You, you know, for all the reasons that people come here, you know, you thought this was a different church and you by mistake came here. I don't care. You're here because God wanted you here. And so, those of you who know Christ, and those of you who don't know Christ, if you don't know Christ, I'm going to give you an opportunity to run to him for the first time. And just go, God, I, I want to run to you. I, 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 I've been running from you for so long. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to stand. And the standing does nothing other than confirm in your own heart. Yeah, God is calling me back to himself. God is, God is giving me his son, Jesus, to cover my shame. And I can walk in Christ. And he's going to lead me on. And I don't have to go by that old identity. And I don't have to say, well, this is the way I was born, so I, I, I'm going to use, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to have this attitude. No, 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 no. I'm going to go, God, I'm yours now. You lead. You God, You direct. Those of you who don't know Christ, you can do that for the first time and say, Jesus, I'm yours. And sis, here's my sin. Confess your sin to him. And then say, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. And then say, God, would you be the boss of my body? My life is yours. For those of you who already know Christ, you can just tell him, God, I've strayed so far. I've gone so far. And I need your direction. So in just like 30 seconds, I'm going to ask you to stand as a symbol of your surrender to God. I'm not going to be hiding in the woods. I'm not going to be hiding in the church. I'm not going to be hiding in my work. I'm not going to be hiding in other stuff, in sin and other things. I'm going to expose myself and just say, God, this is me. Full of sin in desperate need of your grace. You can't even do that unless God calls you and he's calling you now. So. If you feel God's call to confess your sin, Believe in Christ as your satisfaction. And surrender to him so that you can live for him and enjoy him. If you feel God's call to that, on account of three stand. Confessing your sin. Believing that Jesus can be your satisfaction and he died for your sins. And saying, God, my body's yours, my life is yours. One, two, three, stand. God, you are a gracious God. Yeah.
through our gracious God. God, it takes, it takes courage to be in a room like this and take the fig leaves off. Lord, everything in us wants to say, I want to hide in my sin. But Lord, would you, would you help us to find our rest? Help us to find our protection, not in the things that we cover ourselves with, but be covered by the love of Jesus. That our hearts would be overwhelmed with the love of Christ. That we would just say, you know what, sin is sin. We're, try we're done scoffing. We're done making excuses about not calling sin, sin. But we would in fact say, Jesus, I'm yours. I don't know what to say. I'm yours. Here's my sin. My life is yours. I believe that you died for my sin. Lord, would you impregnate each one of us with that truth? Make that true about each one of us. For we pray in Jesus' name. Now look at me.